It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Matrix Discussion Group Call for Tactical Sovereignty. Uh, like I always say, this beautiful Sunday, first day of the week, not the seventh day, not the Sabbath. Uh, this week, um, uh, Joe's here with us, uh, the state trooper from Oregon is here with us this evening, as well as I brought in uh, Rocco Vanzini. And I think a few people should know who Rocco is. Maybe uh, you've seen a bizarre Facebook post or two by him, uh, but uh, he is well uh, is probably known from a uh, YouTube channel with uh, Bo. It was, uh, I think, the Bo and Rocco show. And uh, they had a, another guest host on with them on those calls. I don't know if um, Rocco wants to go into that this evening or not. But this is going to be kind of a uh, continuation from last week where we're talking about some of the rabbit holes people end up finding themselves in. And uh, after last week's call, incidentally, I ended up coming across Rocco online, and I thought, gosh, what more perfect of an individual to have on than somebody who has met so many of these different self-proclaimed gurus or whatever, seen a lot of things that they're doing, uh, seen a lot of their uh, air quote paperwork and things that work and things that don't work and things that don't work miserably, other than Rocco. Rocco has seen these things and probably could give excellent first-hand knowledge on it so i thought hey let's have him on with us this week and so here he is how are you doing tonight rocco all right oh okay i'm uh, there we go yeah i'm doing fine yeah where do you want to where do you want to jump in well um, oh, i don't know you yeah, know I, I guess most people like to kind of start from the beginning and as to who and what they are and what got them into this mess of oh. a world that we've discovered around ourselves. Yeah, this, well, in my, my case, well, yeah, my case actually involved, you know, my, my children. This is a case, you know, um, three counts of intentional abuse of a child, which means corporal punishment, which means I slapped my son on the cheek, okay, because he was, uh, you know, beating up his sister, basically, annoying her, and that's when all my tr tr problems began, and uh, the state came in, and this is, it's a long, crazy story, you know, my, the, my first wife died of cancer, I remarried the sec, and then the second wife, I appointed her, yeah, here's another caveat, I appointed her executor over my late wife's estate, because I previously was, you know, a felon years back, you know, burglary, stuff like that, because you can't be a felon in an executor um, on Illinois. So there we go. The perfect storm was set. So the new the new wife had the, the purse, the keys to the kingdom, as it were, all the money. And, and she really orchestrated this, you know, got the police involved. Police show up. Okay, they wanted me to plea like this, you know, and I said, absolutely not. I'm going to court. And they said, well, you're, you're going to go to trial with this. Um, 
Oh, when you talk to your, your two daughters, you grab them by the chin when you talk to them. That's also, that's two more counts, by the way. Yeah, well, Wisconsin just, um, it's, it's just a business. It's all, it's business everywhere, CPS. In, in my humble opinion, DCFS, CPS, they're all agencies uh, generating revenue, getting that, you know, federal tax dollars, splitting up families. I think they're just a for-profit business anyway that's that's in a nutshell what happened to me and in the course of combating this going to court and you know i i jumped in my first uh uh you know when i jumped in the deep end of the pool somehow some way i came across tim turner you remember that the the restore american plan the acronym is trap the restore american plan and i jumped off in the world of you know secured party creditor you know all that and then you know gene keating listening to that and then angela stark getting on the shows just carl miller anybody i could get my hands on you know just going down the guest list and i know angela well now and uh i'm actually gonna go see her this this winter do a job for her and um so i I've, I've been around the block a few times and of course you know me as uh, well or the I'm, I'm best known for bumping into uh tammy pepperman the funny thing with tammy pepperman i was introduced to tammy pepperman by jack bauer aka mike golden you know who's departed now so yes and they have a saying in wisconsin yeah mike flipped uh tammy on my casserole and i talk and i'm like oh wow sovereignty this makes sense appoint yourself executor over your estate and that was my um second trip down the rabbit hole you know because uh the the first trip was um tim turner and i just wasn't working i'm i'm you know i'm i'm putting all this stuff into my case you know bid bonds performance bonds all that you know the the 95a the all that i mean i don't even know where to begin or end there just tons of paperwork that did nothing basically did not get the desired effect so I mean, we can stop right there right now. That's two big things, two big names. Or, you know, Tim Turner and, and Tammy Pepperman that I would put in the, the no-go category. And, and that, <laughs> that was a huge, huge time time sucker, you know. Uh, that, that's good. I'm just, I'm just looking back. That was uh, what happened. And then all these, everybody else, you know, you know, the, the, the band of people and everybody either you, you, you probably, most of the people had foreclosures, you know, uh, man. And then there were man at the time and they were following, was his name? Jerry Kirk, you know, died in a shootout. Is that his name? Kirk Jer or Jerry, what's his name? Does that sound familiar? The guy no, who got gunned down. Anyway, he got gunned down. Him and his son. They were going around. He could. Um, and then John. Oh Stewart. yeah, yeah. You're, and then John Stewart. Yeah, that was funny. Actually, I was just listening to a uh, call on YouTube today with with um, Angela and John Stewart piped in and was talking a little bit. And it's like, oh wow, I haven't heard from him in a long time. I think he's still sitting in prison, isn't he? Yeah, I'm about to say he he did he did time. I guess some guy. I mean, I I know I don't know the exact story. He ended up some guy trying to get in his car and he ended up shooting him and just and I think the first time it was like a hung jury and then they got him on the second time or something like that. It's just that was a, a sad mess. It's a sad mess. 
There's a lot of sad messes uh, surrounding us. And then, of course, people get, and of course, you know, all that stuff wasn't free. Tim Turner, secure party creditor. You know, there's a, there's a name, Jack Mizell. That was one of the guys. You know, they, they just get you. Oh, that's good. Oh, well, we'll do the paperwork. You know, that'll be 1500 bucks. And then if you order now, we'll throw in this, that, and the other. We'll lean up a judge for you. You know, I, I jest, but people get talked into doing all this. So I knew not to lean up a judge. It's like, uh, I'm not going to. I never leaned up anybody. But you had. Now, get this. This is so crazy. I. These guys were on Skype, and it's like the guy, the three guys in front of me. Yeah, we're leaning up people. Well, these dudes just stepped on landmines in front of me, and I watched them get vaporized because they're all over the news. They got arrested, all jacked up, bagged, and tagged. And I'm like, whoa, I swung around. Oh, I'm not going to follow their footsteps. And that's pretty much what I was for people. It's like, hey, if I if I can't give you the cure, the cure I'll just be the bad example, right? Do not do what I did. So – as I follow Danny Peppermint stuff, and oh yeah, put the paperwork in. Just don't report. Don't report for probation. Have all the paperwork, kids. So, man, I stood on my paperwork. Yeah, absconded. Had had one year left to go of probation because I did go to trial, lost on the three counts of intentional abuse to a child. Um, and then now, actually, my son's on my side. There's a lot of details there. Actually, when I slapped my son's cheek, he went in the other room and slapped over that, you know. And, and, and the way the – because everybody hated that at the moment, they thought that I was going to take all the money in the, the estate. It, it was all twisted. My, um, my wife was, you know, telling them a bunch of BS. And then she later got control of everything, and she, and she, got, she actually uh, got money for having them, you know. Because they were placed with her, and then she slowly, or they, they left her. She kicked them out. I mean, she she just was a master of manipulation. Anyway, um, I yeah, I've, I've, I've been through uh, a, a lot of uh, teachers, a lot of gurus, trying a bunch of different things. Well, you brought and, up uh, you brought up leaning up people and stuff like that, and, and that's one of the things that I talked to people that were involved with the Colorado 8 with, you know, because they started doing that early in judge, which they ended up all going to jail for. I was like, God, guys, don't do that. But along the same category, because I see everybody talking about doing like a Form 56, and I would put the Form 56 right in the same category as placing liens. Oh, uh, the the uh, fiduciary appointment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, what is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've never done that, and, and I don't know anybody who has gotten anything um, gotten anything positive out of appointing the judge, you know, fiduciary. I, so, I have no idea. Yeah, well, I've, I've got one friend that, um, I'm not going to say really who she's involved with, but she's got somebody that she's kind of studying under. And she was starting out with that whole secure party creditor stuff, the Form 56, the 1099, the OIDs, all that kind of That's stuff. Oh, and yeah. He saw that Form 56, and he was like, what are you doing? Don't ever even consider doing that. And because to me, the Form 56, which you're doing is you're placing somebody in the position of fiduciary. And I'm sorry. Think about it yourself, Okay. How would you like if somebody else appointed you as being responsible for their debts or for whatever finances came along, okay? And now, at the same time, 
consider if you were a judge, for instance. Oh, gosh, number one, you'd be pissed off. And number two, as a judge, yeah, you've got the power to do something about it. And they will, and they do. Yeah, I don't know of any horror stories of what happens. Well, I, I, I think, aren't they trying to hack the system and say, oh, well, now you have to rec recuse yourself because you can't be a fiduciary and, and then rule in the matter? I mean, I, I don't I'm trying to put on those glasses. <laughs> these, these, you know, I, it's just a hack. Uh, hack yeah, technique. They're, yeah, they're trying to hack a system that, number one, uh, they don't even belong to in the first place, or to use their language, they hold no right title or interest to. You know, so, you know, it, it, I guess it's like maybe one of the cows want to take over the farmer's house, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, when they, wow, from a legal a standpoint, you know, from a legal standpoint, um, when they try to appoint the judge or whatever as their fiduciary benefit, benefactor, however you want to, you know, phrase it, and then they try to turn around and say, oh, well, we can't, you know, preside over this case because of the fact of conflict of interest. Look, from a legal perspective, the only time that a judge has to recuse himself because of conflict of interest or whatever is if he personally knows you or, you know, is involved with you and like say friends or whatever um just because the fact that you appoint him as beneficiary or anything else that is not a conflict of interest take a look at the definition of what a ward of the court is anytime you go into a court and you have an attorney or whatever you admit to the court that you're a ward of the court and a ward of the court in the, their own different uh, dictionary definitions means that you're somebody of unsound mind that can't handle your own affairs therefore you need somebody to preside over you, which the court is more than willing and happy to do. Well, you know what, Joe, I think under I think under the definition for uh, word of the court, I think it could be summed up with one word possibly, and that's just the word citizen. <laughs> well, yeah, basically. And it's, it's even not just citizen, it's the fact that you're openly admitting by being a ward of the court that you're of unsound mind. You know, because from the court's perspective, there's only three three types of people that are wards of the court. Child, somebody of unsound mind, and an idiot. So which one of the three are you, or possibly all three? Yeah, that's a basket to pick from, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, if people Rocco. want to turn around and say... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish it up. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, so from a perspective of, oh, well, you know, I'm not a ward of the court or whatever, but yet I've got these people representing me, calling my attorneys or whatever. Well, excuse me, what are you? Doing? Because by the very definition of hiring somebody to represent you or to speak on your behalf, that's admitting that you're a ward of the court because, in fact, you can't handle your own affairs. You have to have somebody else do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Rocco, um, I remember a few months ago, at least it seems like it was only a few months ago, um, somebody that you uh, knew had somebody else fill out some paperwork or whatever. I guess they had gotten nailed. I think it was for driving or something like that without a license. I, I never heard how that turned out. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, 
well, it was a well. The case I'm thinking was a DUI. Is that does that no. uh, ring a bell? Okay. No, that wasn't who I was talking about. No, it was. Okay. Okay. I don't know. That's that's another story. He he had uh, a female a, fill up paperwork, I guess. Okay. Huh. No, not, that's not ringing a bell. Well, I, well, I'll come on and say I think I, well, it was Bo, wasn't it? Oh, okay. Oh, wait a minute. Well, well, which there's so much has happened with Bo. I mean, wait here. Give me, uh, dial it in for me a bit. He filling out paperwork because right now he, he's on the chopping block for child support. He's basically it's like I want to say six hundred some odd dollars a month, and they got him. They got him. He he's got to come up with it. Or he's going to jail. So all that Tammy Pepperman, you know, nonsense in the end did him no good. And I'm, you know, I, I talked to him from time to time, and he still got that anchor, you know, around his, uh, that millstone around his neck. That was a favorite thing of Tammy to say. I'm like, yeah, Bo's got it around his neck. You know, he's got to cough up 600 and some odd dollars a month, or he goes to jail child support. He was trying to get his children back i mean we shared that you know both our cases were, were children his you know his ex grabbed the children and then took off another state so and now she just did this as a recently months ago and you know wanted child support so they came after him brought him in hauled him in put the cuffs on him whatever told me in the pier you know served him you know, the, the child support issue seems to be something that touches just about everybody, it seems like, at some point or another. And I find it very interesting, looking at things historically, as far as uh, child support and, say, uh, getting reliable information as to who the father is, because, you know, they're going to want to do, like, the mouth swab, the DNA test, something like that. And I find it very interesting that if you look at things that have happened through history, okay, uh, for instance, uh, they want to test mummies and different things, or even something more recent. Um, I believe it was Jesse James. They identified the grave of Jesse, Grant, Jesse James, but they wanted to identify that that was definitely him, okay? Do you, you know what the scientists said at that time? They said, okay, the only way we're going to be able to identify that that is actually Jesse James is that we're going to have to get uh, DNA samples from two of the women in his family. Yeah. Because the DNA is only transferred through maternal DNA. So to me, that makes me go, wait a second. Does that mean all of these paternal tests that they've done on men are bogus? Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, if you're just testing the guy to see if he's the father of the little boy or the little girl of this offspring, okay, it's like, hold on a second. According to what scientists say, with trying to check out identification for people in the past, they have to go to the females. So wouldn't they necessarily really have to go to, like, your sister or to your mother and get a DNA sample from them to determine it because it only flows through the maternal DNA? Which to me means all of those tests are bogus that they've done in the past. The courts are just flat out lying. Yeah, that would be interesting. Get get all that those reverse thrown out. 
in the name of science, real science, not junk science. I, I don't know at that indeed. I mean, you raise an interesting issue. I, I never, you know, uh, thought about it that way. Yeah, you know, in watching and reading different things, I'm, I'm always trying to freaking connect dots to other stuff. And I remember when that story with Jesse James came out several years ago. I mean, like, bells started going off in my head. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I said, this is showing me there's something very wrong in our system. And we know very well that the courts are going to do whatever is beneficial to the courts. And what's beneficial to the courts is somebody, preferably you, since you're the handiest, paying into the, the system for the child support. Because when people are paying for child support, they don't pay the mom. They pay the courts or the front of yep. court. And then that money then goes. So that means that they may sit on that money for a month before releasing it to the mom. And so the first month of receiving child support, it, the first time of receiving child support might take a month, even if the guy does pay on time, even if he is what they call a good payer. Okay. So. Stop and think about this, people. Imagine you have a town where you have 5,000 men paying child support, okay? And they're paying child support to the tune of, say, even $200 a month. Think about the amount of money then, if they hold that money for the very first month, think about the amount of money that they're holding each month in their account before it is given over to to the mother or, the, or rarely the father. So that means oh, there's a huge chunk of money sitting there. That's called huge cash flow. That's big that's, profits. Yeah, that's that's escrow. Oh, we're going to secure that and and I'll, you know throw all these banking terms out there and and then everybody and then they, you know the more terms they put out there, the more people you know the, their eyes glaze over and they're, oh that's just how the system is. And, yeah, they're just they're just wordsmiths. They they just dull us. They fatigue us into compliance. Does that sound familiar? You know the oh, yeah. what, De Declaration of Independence. Hey, the king is fatiguing us into a compliance. They're doing the same thing. You know they're acting like well, little kings running around. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're saying fatiguing into a uh, compliance. And I think Joe could probably back up this term if he was yeah. familiar with it in his time in law enforcement. And that is pain compliance. And pain compliance is <laughs> they're going to push you so far. You know what I mean? Just that they could oh, walk yeah, on the edge a little bit. It's pain compliance from a law enforcement perspective is used when you try doing, like, say, verbal commands, for an example, and people don't want to do it, they resist. So then the officer escalates a situation to get the person to comply. And this saying in law enforcement is resistance equals force, meaning the more resistance that people use, the more forceful the officers are going to get. And nine times out of ten, the way that they're going to do that is through what's called pain compliance. Like, say, for an example, if I was making an arrest on somebody, they were resisting arrest, you know, whatever, and I... The verbal commands weren't working. So then the next uh, escalation that I'm going to make is a pain compliance, and that's usually done by applying pressure to people's pressure points. 
because there's like what 20 some odd pressure points throughout the body to basically drop you to your knees and if that doesn't work you know you're still resisting even with the pressure points and plane compliance then that's when you start getting into the brute force and it's interesting because in fact a lot of people turn around and say oh i wasn't resisting i wasn't resisting and yet they're still fighting off the officer and stuff like that like for an example one of the biggest red flags that somebody's going to be forceful with with an officer is if they start suddenly acting really sick in front of the officer like if they know that they're about to get arrested or whatever and they act like they're going to faint or really sick because of the fact that they assume that that means the officer is going to drop his defenses because of the fact they think they're not going to have the energy to fight back and so they're thinking okay if the officer drops his defenses that means i'll be able to spring my attack and get away from him but yet most officers that have had to make very many arrests knows from experience that when people start acting sick that's when they're most likely to get really forceful and violent and everything else so the officers will actually be more aggressive and it's pain compliance is used simply to get somebody to submit when they won't listen any other way well in the same way though i think pain compliance is also used within the court system and i'm, I'm oh, it is. think of the term in the courts that they actually uh, there's people that it's actually been diagnosed as uh it's called legal fatigue syndrome <laughs> yep yeah or legal legal and, and abuse I, syndrome as well that's another yeah, yeah, maybe that's a legal abuse syndrome. But and I'm sure Rocco, that's a lot of what you were experiencing, both experiences as well with uh, the situation with your children. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I it, it's it's a mind bender. If I were to tell you what's gone on in my case, I mean, all my resources, everything has been stolen from me. You know, a house. And then, you know, my, my, my wife died and everybody came out of the woodwork. You know, this is how, this is how vicious people are. And from, from, I hate to say it, from the church, I might add, I got robbed by a, I got robbed blind by a blind guy from church. Number one. Hey, buddy, let me help you out. You need an executor because you got that felony back there. And I'm like, right, right, right. You know, the law can't be a, a, a felon and an executor. So my buddy steps up. And then they meet this woman, and it's like time to get a down payment on the house. Hey, hey, John, we need 80 grand. You know, I mean, 80 grand from a half a million is, you know, that's like, a, you know, should be no problem. We got resistance, found out he ripped us off. And then I pointed her, the executor, then she ripped me off. It was just, it was just a, a you know, a shit show. Bottom line. And, and I, and everybody else, and then the state comes in. And nobody's, so there's just no money left, you know? Well, just yeah, I, don't know if, I don't know if you've had any involvement with this kind of stuff or not, uh, Rocco, but um, I've noticed the past year and a half, probably, there has been a big, big push on trust and getting everybody, oh, you got to set up a trust. 
somebody has a problem, they're like, oh, you need to put your vehicle in a trust, or you got to put your house in a trust, and this and that. And one of the questions a lot of people have is, okay, a trust, you know, it, it has three basic elements. You know, it's got the grantor, it's got the trustee and the beneficiary. Well, so who are you going to appoint trustees? Who around you do you trust to appoint trustees? I mean, I'm sorry, even your family will rob you blind many, many times. I mean, yeah. I think I'm fortunate in a situation where I wouldn't have to worry about that, but they're many miles away, and so people around me, it's like, yeah, that's not really a venue that I would want to um, go into, but that, to me, that's one of the big rabbit holes right now that's been given to people is, oh, you got to do the trust thing. And have you ever had any experience with that? Uh, well, well, yeah, I mean, I, I work with you know, Bernie Bershears, you know, and he uh, he offers that, that 508C1A, you know, trust so that's i mean bottom line i mean i've done shows with bernie and um I, i've just been too busy i've just been trying to stay alive and survive I, and you know i can't even i don't have time to even talk to bernie you know i, I did that's the thing they're they're you know it's a total economic attack you have to just survive you know and then a guy like me boom you got to keep your phone on got to you know get that internet and, and I've just been beaten down so hard but I mean I thrive and I I've just had to I started my life over had to reinvent myself you know and 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 finally things are coming we're talking 10 years brutal 10 years you know so this is not an easy track I just don't give up I'm just crazy that way I just don't give up I pursue and pursue I'm just a crazy dumb Swede you know there's some Viking in me I don't. I just don't give up. I, I talk and talk. I'm the deal maker, the peacemaker. I try to bring people to the table. I try to walk away. What can we agree on? What can we? What works? What works? Let's walk away. You know, and everybody likes to say there's puzzle pieces on the table, and I'm and I'm fine with that. You know, what works? You know, let's look at these definitions of of these words everybody's using, and I. I don't want to stop when somebody says, "Well, you know, you get arrested for that," and, and blah blah. I'm like. So, and, you know, we, was there a revolution? What, weren't uh, the colonists rebellious traitors at one point? You know, you can even throw the church in there. Did they not, did they disobey Romans 13? Were they not good Christians? And, and you know, Hitler, look at that. Why didn't they obey? I mean, it, it just goes on and on. It's like, where, what is real law you come to? What is real law? How can you say, I'm not going to follow those laws from that government? Because we know this government is given power by, you know, God Almighty. There, there you go. There's the conundrum we're all living. You know, who's well, going to step up and get hammered? You know? It's like if this. I can answer. Like, well, here, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll yield the floor after this. It's like this. D-Day never would have happened. D-Day, you know, landing in Normandy, invasion. If someone said, do you know the life expectancy of a whatever uh, and what do they call them the landing crap is 30 seconds and let's look at this on paper guys if if you looked at oh i'm not going to give my life i mean tyrants would rule nobody would ever fight nobody would ever yeah, nobody would ever fight nobody ever get hurt and but they would they would never die that one death but they would die a thousand deaths a day there you go i'm not that guy i'm like give me that one death i don't want to die a thousand deaths you know, and just be comfortable, comfortable as defined, 
you know, uh, 10,000 times over and over and over through this administration, this body of law and this legislature. And we go, oh, we're born into this game. We have to consent. So anyway, you were going to say something? Oh, I was just going to, Joe, before, before Joe jumps on, I want to mention something regarding today. <clears throat> because uh, I firmly believe my father was there, even though he never openly admitted it. Uh, but I went online and I found the medals that he got. And I yeah. found uh, where he was stationed at uh, with the Army Air Corps in England. And that base was the base that was the, the preparatory place before the guys headed over uh, to Normandy. And, you know, I would recommend anybody, you want to know how sadistic and nasty things are within the Empire, even just go to the filming of Normandy and look at the filming of the young men on those boats that were going yeah. to the beaches. And yeah. these boys had this blank stare in their eyes like they knew they were done. They knew this was their last moments of life. You could see it in their eyes. And so I know why my father would never talk about it. But at the same time, you got to remember while you're watching this film, there's somebody there filming this. They're filming this. They're, they're going to film this mass slaughter of people, this mass sacrifice to whatever God this country serves. And uh, to me, that just blows my mind. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it absolutely does. Like, if people knew 90% of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, you know, as um, George Bush famously told Condoleezza Rice, if the American people knew what the government did on a daily basis, there would be a revolution before the morning. But that being said, uh, I was going to go back and touch on the things with trust and people wanting to put, you know, their property, their vehicles and stuff like that in trust. But legally speaking, when you put something in a trust, you're admittedly opening it up that much more to being taken or seized or whatever by the state because then not only are you directly involved in the trust and liable, but so is everybody else involved in that trust, you know, the beneficiary, the trustee, et cetera, et cetera. If any one of those people get charged with a crime, that property can also be seized because of that it's in connection with a crime, because of that it's tied to somebody who got charged with something. So you need to be really, really careful about who, if you're going to put stuff in a trust, about who you involved in that trust and who you don't, because if they go out and commit a crime, that property can, and most of the time is, seized in a connection to a crime. So something you might want to stop and think about before you go and put everything in a trust. Oh, yeah, and at the same time, one of the things that I kind of caught my ear when um, Rocco had mentioned that was the 508 trust. And I hear 508, and I mean, that just sends off freaking red flags to me in my head because that reminds me of the same as the 501c3 churches. And the 501c3 churches today aren't going to tell you the truth about things and how things really operate because, really, if, if you look at like the 501c3 and look at the charter, it will say that it is an organization created under the IRS as a 501c3, da da da. Well, the key word to me that when I first saw that was it's created under. Well, hold on a second. 
That means the IRS can pull the freaking plug off any time they want. They can pull the carpet off from underneath them any time they want. So anytime you're involved in something that is formed under the IRS, um, yeah, you're kind of going from the frying pan into the fire, in my belief. Well, yeah, and you know, like, one of the things that Rocco was talking about before was, you know, all these people reporting, you know, on the child abuse and stuff like that. But from a legal standpoint, there's what's called mandatory reporters. And some of the most common mandatory reporters, meaning that they're mandated by law to report any any kind of suspicious behavior or knowledge of a crime, stuff like that. But the most common mandatory reporters that people don't think of are like your doctors, your nurses, your lawyers, but also your priests, your priests, your school teachers, you know, everything else. I got a sister-in-law that is a school teacher, and she's a mandatory reporter. And the way that the school district handles it where she works at is even if they suspect that something might be slightly out of place, they're mandated to report it. And so, like, she was giving me an example of even when parents raise their voice to their children because of the fact they're not happy with something, she's required to report that as suspected child abuse. You know, it's the amount of mandatory reporters that you come into into contact with on a daily basis, I think, is much higher than most people realize. And then they get surprised when CPS shows up, you know, because they've been tipped off or whatever, so they're there to do an investigation and find out what's going on. And so you're going to have your kids out in the public and stuff like that. You need to be really careful about who you kind of let inside your bubble, so to speak, who you let in your life. Oh, yeah. Rocco, you know, you know I, mean, I wanted you to go into, I mean, since we're kind of on the topic of rabbit holes, what do you think probably are, if you had to pick, like, say, the top three rabbit holes that people stumble across today, what, what would you say those are? Uh, man, well, like I said, the, that whole secured party creditor, you got, you know, thing, you got different variations of that. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, I, I mean, it's funny because we were, you know, dropping names earlier. Um, let me see. It is just, it is just people, I, I guess they call it, well, I'm going to test this out. It's just, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall. You know, I've done it. It's just keep. It's just man, hard to explain. Anyway, when you just keep in an endless cycle, you can call that perseverance or just you know stupidity on steroids. I don't know. And then a secured secured party creditor would be the one. Um, oh, oh my God. We then we get now. This one's crazy. The 1099 OID. Now get this. I mean, this is all story. This is all hearsay from Rocco. I know a woman, you know, or she told me, she's like, yeah, I did 1099 OID. I got 100 grand, went to the bank, and got cashier's checks and everything. And then this woman disappeared, okay? And then I was hearing that three years later, these people are getting banged, picked up, booked to bail. I never heard from this woman again. So I'm like, OID, 
is uh, suspicious to me. SBC, OID, and then what? What else? I'd have to. I'd have to think about this. Well, obviously, uh, anything to do with Tammy Pepperman. <laughs> my own, uh, from my own standpoint, because when 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 her uh, when her prophecies didn't come to pass, uh, she was mixed up in so much stuff, and then she just started lying to people. Oh, Rocco chose to go to prison. You know, she thought that her. Uh, you know, a, a United States, you know, all over case was created, and she was the clerk of court of the United States, and and Bo was, you know, something. It, it, that was totally out of hand. And let me tell you, I know people. It was like Stockholm syndrome. I knew people that finally. I mean, some of my closest people actually where I'm at. You see, the people I run with, yeah, the people close to me. We've been through that hell together with Tammy Pepperman. So it's one hell of lesson have nothing to do with Tammy Pepperman. So we're, we're brought together and we're like, man, how, you know, it sounded so good. It sounded so good. Yet in the end, it was just fruit from the poison tree because it got to a spiritual level. It was a cult following. So that was, that's totally dangerous. And it got to the point where there's one couple and, and a guy pulled out the last minute. You know, Tammy's like, oh no, the bank just, you know, you don't have to give them anything. You know, you just fight, and your house is going to be safe. And and the guy's like, what do you think? I said, I think that they're going to take your house. And at the last minute, this guy pulled some money out of a fund and paid the house and paid off the house. And uh, that was, in my best or estimation, the best thing to do because nothing Tammy Pepperman ever said or did worked, bottom line. You know, telling me, don't report don't that that's taken care of. You did the appointment of executor doc. You send in your fee schedule. Put this in the court case. I mean, I, but I have two stories that, like I said, I guess we agree we're not going to talk about it because these can be stumbling blocks. This is like talking about a UFO. What happened there? I don't know. Uh, anyway, it just like I I had yeah. somebody today that asked about something. And I said, you know what? It was something from like 150 years ago. I said, you know what? I wasn't there. So all I know is what the propaganda specialists tell us, you yeah. know, and we can only surmise from there. And and to me, that is something that people really need to grasp onto. You can't just accept what the history books are telling you or what PMS, NBC, or whoever is telling you. Uh, the first thing you probably should assume that those are probably lies. Um <clears throat> Somebody commented, though, in the comments here. Uh, they said, um, what about the Accepted for Value program? <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that's one. Doug Riddle started that one off, I mean, from my perspective. I tried. Now, get this. This is interesting. I did that, too. I had, and uh, this was interesting because this involved, actually, Tammy. She she had a private investigator, like, run run the name right you know and, and what and i remember something coming up it said you have 43 judgments or 47 judgments i'm like what what is that and i was racking my brain going oh wait a minute those were probably all those a for b's <laughs> because i was just you know like a fool just sending them things off over and over and over you know i told you i'm a dumb sweet i'm persistent and i'm thinking that's about how many of them I sent off, and, and it showed up. I can't even remember. It showed up as some kind of judgments, or it was not positive, okay? 
was not positive at all. Because we know the same private investigator, and, and he ran uh, a report. And I don't even talk to this guy anymore, really, because, you know, he had a falling out with uh, Tammy and, and his other uh, family. But, but get this, early on, that stuff from Tammy, it, it, it was actually working. People, or they were being left alone by the, by the cops. I mean, I was interviewing people, talking, traveling, going and, you know, hey, our buddy did this and, you know, we were there, we were there and, and we, we were getting excited. You know, hey, cop pulls you over and he puts the window down a half inch and, and puts his executive dog and the cop says, okay, have a nice evening. You know, and then people run with that, thinking, that's it, we got through, we got our silver bullet. Yeah. Uh, no. In, in the end run, it, 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 in the end of, of it all, something worked for a while, and then it didn't work. It stopped working. And then not only did it stop working, you know, they uh, changed up their plays. They, you know, Thor's hammer came down on these people. So it, it is, it's a battlefield out there. Well, one yeah, of the exactly. big things, one of the big things, you know, is the whole accepted for value thing, A for V has no legal protections or meaning or anything else really you know and this whole thing with people getting away from the cops you know thinking oh yeah we just got away with it like this works and stuff like that look as an officer myself and the team that i worked with did all did this stuff all the time we let people go knowing that they were committing crimes because yeah. of the fact that we were giving themselves enough room to hang themselves. Letting yeah. them do our job for us, basically. Ongoing because police investigation. Exactly. It's an ongoing investigation. And that just simply means that you're being watched by the cops and everything that you do is being monitored. So if you're under investigation and you're going out and doing all these things guess what that means when they finally do step in and place you under arrest take you to court all those things that you've done are now all evidence against you people think yeah. oh i got away with it no you were just given more room to hang yourself with later well but, well, but but by the same token and i know it's a double-edged sword if you have somebody who truly believes you know, you're not going to have your mens rea because they want to get the jury to say, oh, he he believed that you, you got to show a hypocrite. But when you show somebody who really believes what they're doing, that's a difficult bust and everybody knows it. So you're going to find hypocrisy to have true justice. You know, that's all I'm saying, because that's an affirmative defense. And they go, hey, I ordered the course. I'm, I'm a reasonable guy. I did this. I thought, I thought, I thought. And people go, you did what? And do we have proof of that? Oh, dude ordered the course and he did this. And they look at the, the video. And then, then you bring it into evidence. Watch all this talk show. Listen to this and blah, blah. And all of a sudden you got people going, well, and then they didn't want that either. No, no, no. We don't want you to listen. We don't want you to get infected. Take our word for it. That, oh, right. Reasonable suspicion. Yeah, it, it becomes another uh, circus of manipulation. Rocco, one of the things you were bringing up was how uh, they started doing some of the paperwork and things were working for quite a while and everything, and then all of a sudden, bang, people started getting nailed and stuff. And I noticed uh, David's on the line with us, and it really reminds me of the dragnet that he talks about. And yeah. so I want to see if David wanted to touch on that. I'll unmute him and bring him in. Uh, yeah. David, are you available? Hey. Yeah, can you hear me? 
Yeah, how are you doing? Okay. I'm all right. How about you? Good, good. Yeah, we we're just talking about some of the things that people do, and sometimes it'll work for a while. And like uh, Rocco was just saying a little bit ago, then all of a sudden, bang, everybody starts getting nailed left and right. And that reminds me of the whole dragnet theory that you've mentioned before. Yeah, I put it out there a long time ago when I first when I first did my site back in 2010. You know, I've been watching this stuff go on for 10 years, even up until then. And it started with a dragnet with us. We had funds. We were living in St. Kitts down the Caribbean. And we had funds invested through the Cayman Islands, uh, some almost like $600,000. And, and there was 3,100 investors in that program. And it was a legitimate program so to speak, where they were running money offshore, bringing it back in and loaning it back out through car title loan programs. And so, you know, we were we were pretty well off. I mean, we had a home that was paid for, we paid cash for it down in St. Kitts. Uh, those funds that were in the bank were earning 3% a month. We had no bills whatsoever. And um, it was basically semi-retired. But the way that we got involved in that program was to a friend of mine and they had been in doing this for like seven to 10 years and somewhere around year seven or eight, the FBI and the SEC came in and they audited all the books. Came in, it was like there was this big investigation and they audited all the books. And the next thing they said was, okay, we've been through it, everything's clean, you know, let's go away. From the time they started auditing the books or did that thing where they audited the books, that was where the, all the salespeople are involved in raising money for this uh, program. You can come and earn 3% per month. You can do this. And we quote, we've been through the audit. We passed the muster. We did all this. That was just the government's ploy so that from the time they said, okay, we've got the deal. We're on the government's actually on our side. The amount of investors tripled and the amount of money went from something like people were just starting formal money and people who already had money in it. And the investment program went from about $30 million up to $330 million when they seized it in 2000. And uh, the seizure happened on October, October 12, 2000. I'm sorry, October 12, 1999. And the two head guys went to prison. And now one of them that wasn't going to go to prison, they tried to get him to turn state's evidence on that this was uh, Michael Goss. He was the chief fundraiser. Dick Coleman was the one who started the program. Dick was actually guilty of investing the funds. Mike was trying to handle it internally. So when he wouldn't cooperate, they had, they went to Dick Coleman, gave him a cell phone to give to Mike as a present, and then they just started monitoring phone calls. And they put together pieces of bits of conversations. Now, Michael was doing the wrong thing because he was trying to handle it internally, but he made the comment one time that they were trying to move money from pay for move, you know, trying to rob for Peter to pay Paul. And that's where they got him. Ponzi scheme, $330 million seized, 3,100 investors, uh, now mostly all getting audited by the IRS. And that went on for, and we finally made something like a 54% recovery, which is one of the biggest recoveries ever on SEC seizure. And all that mainly only happened because we filed a class action suit against the bank of Bermuda because these banks were so involved, they were actually flying big investors down to the Cayman Islands to sit through the presentations. This is when you learn that this, I watched this stuff for years, A for B, acceptance for value, 
That's a banker's acceptance. The problem with it is, is that you've got no position on the, any of the banking trees to be doing any acceptances. That's done by the sovereign authority. And if they dictate that you don't have the right to do it, then you don't get it done. If they dictate that they want to take your promissory note on your house because you're giving it over to the bank on that mortgage, fine, they'll take it. But it's, it's, it's all arbitrary. And the person that's doing it doesn't have status. They have no standing on the contract. They have no standing on the treaties. And they're just sitting around waiting to pay, pick people off. So when I, from, from day one, once I knew what a dragnet was, because I saw one, every, I just kept watching these people go out, write promissory notes, buy four Cadillacs at one time. They get away with it for a year. A bunch of other people do it. Then they decide to shut the whole program down and they pull the cord on the net and there goes 10 people off to prison or 20. Or uh, I think Rocco mentioned the 1099 OID. I know somebody that wrote to me, called me up. It's like they got $387,000 back on the 1099 OID. So they will let them go out there. They paid off their house. They bought new cars. They got all this stuff. And then they came back and went, oh, wait a minute. Excuse me. We made an administrative mistake. This is a false filing. We're now seizing your house. We're seizing the bank account. Uh, now you go back to $387,000 in addition to all the fines, fees, and penalties that go along with that. And if you don't like it, we're seriously given considering filing charges against you for fraud and putting you in jail. So they're all dragging us to me. There's only one solution. There's only one key. So let's think about this today, because a lot of people want to talk about, you know, this, this, this thing about trying to deal with the matrix as if you're not already in it. They told everybody the truth of the movie, you're already in it. Now it's a matter of getting out. Zion didn't remain in the matrix, it came out of the matrix. That's the right of self-determination that put it in the movie. It's the key that fit the door. The, the key maker by the agents in the system was called the exile. That's when they changed the name about 100, about 120 years ago. They started using the term self-determination instead of the right of exile. So I've been watching this for a long time. They're all dragnets to me. And everybody's looking for the next scheme. And I can tell you the next two schemes that are out there right now. Keith Livingway and Kirk Kallenbach. Just, that's kind of interesting. If that's interesting, uh, David, because I'm going to lunch with Kirk tomorrow. Yeah. Well, he came on to your site once I said something about being prime minister of the Dom because you know somebody wrote me on the website today, and you know, they were talking about self determination and they're doing something in Canada. I don't know what they did wrong, but they've been completely ignored. But they're also being belligerent, and that's just not going to work. And I've told them. We run the right of self-determination wide open because this is what the founders of the USA, if people are not doing what the founders of the USA did and forming a new state, declaring stating to a candid world the reasons that they're doing something, then you're not doing anything. The law of nations is mentioned all the way back in the history of Rome. If you don't like it, get out. That's the way it's like everybody wants to look at it and say it's tyrannical and it's like, oh, but I think I should yell and scream at Hitler to change. Fine. Tyrants don't change. They're tyrants. And so yeah, it's David, the only I, ex Go ahead. Uh, 
No, as I said, I had people from Canada contact me too, and I saw what they were doing, and they were they were assembling their meeting, which is great. They're getting people together, but they were trying to do the same thing that the U.S. Patriots do, and they were trying to use the Canadian documents and claim them as their own, and try and hold the Canadian government's feet to the fire and make them do this and that. I was like, it doesn't work that way, and I was trying to explain self-determination to them at that time. And it was like I was speaking Greek to them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, because well, somebody thinks that... Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, something that I wanted to add in there, you know, all these people that want to sit there and try to use these same arguments that the sovereign citizens and all those idiots use and expect some kind of different result, they're insane. But also... Look, when you sit there and go against your government and stuff like that, that's called treason. And doing these whole things of, you know, the accepted for value and using the UCC and stuff like that, look, the U.S. government classifies that as domestic terrorism. Part of the whole sovereign citizen thing. They, they'll lump you in together, and guess what? Hey, now hey it's part Joe, of the government. There's yeah, a go very ahead. good video. Brian Brian was watching it today. I had seen it, I don't know, a month or so ago. They they actually, this is training videos that they give to police forces to deal with sovereign citizens. And they're, they're literally telling you, look, you see this kind of people, and, and I can't remember, I think it was Kane and his son or whoever that opened up, opened fire and killed those two police officers. That's like, that's that's like the video. That's like the first thing they tell you is be careful out there because these people will kill you. Yeah, it's literally the training that law enforcement officers get when it comes to the whole sovereign citizens and stuff like that is they show them the video from the Arkansas shootout with that father-son sovereign citizen BS. And then they continue on with the training and showing officers that the anybody that claims to be sovereign or you know is using this kind of language is a domestic terrorist and they're literally trained and taught these people are out to kill you they don't believe in government they don't believe in authority and they will kill you and some of the evidence that they use for the training material is all this paperwork that people keep doing and showing to the officers and stuff like that, guess what? When the officers take that paperwork back to their patrol car, what do you think they do with it? It gets scanned into the computer system and shared with other law enforcement agencies. And people think, oh, the cops are so dumb. They don't, oh, no, they know exactly. And it's, you know, like I was mentioning... It was like I was mentioning before. They'll give you enough rope to hang yourself. Let them, well, so, you know, let you do Joe, you had, for them. But Joe, you and I have had this discussion before because I know you, this is one of the things that you guys did, being part of our drug enforcement and all that. It's not just a matter of they let you go hang yourself. They're going to put you on the watch list. Your phone's going to get tapped, and they're going to stop monitoring every phone call you make because it's not just about getting you. I've always called it, you know, piercing the corp, using the corporate arrow to pierce everybody. Yeah, you know, especially when they go after corporations and go after people, you know, if they're talking about white collar crimes and things like that, like what happened with us back in 1999 and Michael Goss and, and those guys. 
because I think there were seven guys that were around surrounding Michael Goss and ended up getting um I can't remember what the word they got. They, they had, because they had been involved in all the proceeds and money that they'd ever earned on commission, um, the SEC took everything they had. None of them went to prison. They had to, you know, but basically they had to turn it all over. One guy actually committed suicide because of what happened. And um, so it's not just a matter of getting one. It's like let's pop, you know, let let's go out there and let them let them surround themselves with all them people. Let's fire off one arrow. I've always called it the corporate arrow because it's the one that shoots through ten corporations at one time. Then when it hits the last one, it hits a grappling hook, pops out, and they smash them all back, all at once. Well, exactly. Now, and that's how come you I tell me, Joe. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying you tell me. <laughs> Does that sound pretty accurate? Oh no, that's extremely accurate. And you know, we've talked about this numerous times before. And like I was saying earlier in this call, you know, these people that want to go out and do these, you know, trustees and put everything in a trust or a PMA or whatever, it's the same kind of thing. You know, I was in the drug task force unit. That was my job with the Oregon State Police. I can't count the number of times that we went in and did a raid on a property. And guess what? Everybody on the property got arrested. But then the property itself, like whether it was a house, a car, or whatever, got seized because of the fact it was in connection with a crime. So anytime that you guys go in and start doing these trust things or anything else and somebody commits a crime, guess what? That trust and everything under it or that PMA and everything under it is now in connection with a crime and can be seized at any time and often is. Oh, you know what, Joe? Okay. That, that goes that goes to a statement that... Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz made several weeks ago, and she said that if you want to vote for corruption, you're going to get corruption, but you're also going to be a party to it. And that's a situation people find themselves in today, whether they like it or not, that the society that they're in, they are a party to it, and they're going to be held accountable for all of it as well. Um, I want to make sure Rocco gets kind of a last word in since he was a guest tonight, um, and we're just about at the hour mark. Um, and you brought up this situation, Joe, with uh, the police and their training. And I, w I wanted to confirm that because the last time I was pulled over, my best count, it was like my 17th time. All right. And all these times I've never received a ticket or anything. Okay. But this last time uh, I had like three or four cop cars show up. And of course they send the cute, good looking female to come talk to me and she's pulling some paperwork out of my car and looking at it and she looked at me and she said uh are you a sovereign citizen and i said well for one i've never seen a definition of that i, I think it's an oxymoron so no i don't even see how that's possible and she said well do you think the laws of the united states government apply to you and i said well is according to law of nations as long as somebody is Living on the land of a nation, yeah, their laws apply to you. And I asked her, I said, you know, what what do you think of that? What, what's your opinion on that? And her eyes kind of glazed over. But um, anyway, a lot of the stuff we've covered tonight, um, Rocco's had dealings with. And uh, also, Rocco, before we started the recording, you said you hadn't talked to David in a while. If you want to say hi to David or whatever, 
And I was just going to let you close the call out tonight, Rocco. Oh, well, yeah. Hey, David. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. I think 10 years since I, I interviewed you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a while. That would be a while. Yeah. See, it just, it just shows you. I mean, Brian knows. Yeah. I've, I've been at this at my level of activity at 10 years. I'm just, you know, I'm just a lowly bottom feeder getting kicked around, you know, throwing everything up, up against the wall. And, and I, I, like, I always tell myself the deal maker, the peacemaker, because I'm always telling people, you know, asking, hey, what worked? What do you think of this? You know, back when we had the study groups and that's pretty much all, all but fallen to the side because nothing's been working, nothing tangible, nothing that we can really be excited about here and there. You know some wins maybe and i and i've had that you know here and there um but i just still i try to remain humble i still am in the relentless pursuit of truth and that's really where we're at because I, I don't want to start and we, we mean brian agreed i had a couple stories like but i don't want to tell him because it's like handed dynamite to a child you know we, we don't have any explanations to go with it and we don't know if those are whatever, two dragnet, you know, hey, let them buy, like like the Viet Cong, hey, let that first patrol buy, so we get to the platoon, you know, it is the ongoing investigation, the ongoing strategy, it's it's war, so uh, I'm trying to be wise with my words, and I, and even, and Joe, is it, right, Joe, I mean, I, I'm not going to agree, you know, we're inspiring with operating, and in, in you're a law enforcement officer, current, I mean, I, I don't agree with a bunch of things, but hey, that makes you you and makes me me. But I like to, maybe that's another show, because it's all about, like when that cop asked you, Brian, you know, do you believe the laws of the United States apply to you? And and I always pull a, like a Paul John Hansen, you know, not that I'm aware of, I like to keep the, the burden of proof on the moving party. I ask a question with a question, you know? And so that's, that's you know, what I do, and I've taken my lumps, and I've uh, um, decided to, you know, do things to get in, involved with, like Bernie Brashears with the trust, because I, I we got to do something, and I don't know what exactly it is, you see. I'm I'm open ears, but we're you're forced to play the hand you're dealt, or do you go for a redeal, or do you say, I'm out? So I'm pretty much where I'm at, and, and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm off grid, you know, kind of, sort of. I, I can't even give details because it's all a, it's all a, <laughs> it's a because my well-being is directly attached to that, and and uh, and I deal with some colorful people who have tangled with the system. And let me tell you, I I know people are creative, and I'll leave it with that. And I and I hang with those creative people. And, uh, and all I know is my conscience and my God, as per my scriptures. And, and I try and, and live in that balance and talk to people. And, I, you know, some things it's like I definitely won't do, but I'm, I'm curious. So still, we're all looking for something that's going to work. What's the next step? What, what could actually bring us all together across the board to just, you know, uh, redo or undo this whole system? Because I don't think it, it's broke. I think it was built this way. It, I think it's a it's a misconception that anything's broke. It's like no, it was built. Somebody had the blueprint. Somebody did the spread on this. Somebody knew certain variables. It's kind of like and I'll end with this. It's uh, 
was it the, what's connected to the 14th Amendment or, or, or really close to it? The, hey, join our club. It's like, but, 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 you know, the validity of the, you know, the debt will not be questioned. It's like, you know, it, it's already, you can join, but you can't question this. I'm like, no, you should be able to question anything. And I even know the context of that validity. I'm just spreading that out. When anybody anywhere says, you know, I'm forming a club and you can't ask this question, it's, it automatically points to the people forming the club. It's like, wait a minute. They're separate and that's a shit show. That's my opinion. I think I'll end with that. Thanks, Rocco. Yeah. And, and uh, David, do you want to follow up with something? Well, I just agree with Rocco that, yeah, it was built the way it was built, and it is not broken. The ones that built it, built it for themselves, and it's working very well for themselves. Right. And so to come along and claim that, that, that you know, you, you asked earlier, like, the, the three, um, would you ask the three biggest rabbit holes? I, I you know, I, that's what I put on website when I call it matrix solutions because once I found the federal acquisition regulation matrix, it started with the Leon TF matrix being a software program that runs the IRS mainframe. You go look up Basali Leon TF anywhere and find out that he solved all the input output data in the United States economy in 1958. He won a Nobel Prize for doing that. They turned his mathematical equations into a software program because the IRS's job is not the collection of money. The IRS's primary job is the collection of data. That data forms the actuarial tables that determine what the dollars were. And since the dollar is the world reserve currency, it determines what all the rest of the dollars are worth around the planet. Everybody thinks there's a currency war going on. The same 13 families on every central bank, what are they at war with themselves? There's no war going on anywhere. They're controlling everything. So it wasn't, they wasn't lottery with Rocco's. It was built for this reason. And people don't understand, you know, um, Harry Nelson just wrote a book called The Royalist Revolution. And the first rabbit hole that, that's the deepest, it's not the deepest probably in the end of it, probably the language and word rabbit hole has got everybody deceived going all the way back to 4,000 years ago or so. That may be the deepest rabbit hole, but you've got to get past the false history rabbit hole first. You know, they just celebrated the 4th of July. John Adams, they, they wrote the resolution which said they would write the declaration on July 2nd. And he said July 2nd would be the name that would go down in history. They didn't even vote on making July 4th a holiday until 1870. It's just another program. It's just like Ringling Brothers. Make it up as you go along. And by the time they pump that down into two or three generations, it's already a done deal. It's over. So the history that we've been taught is complete fiction. King was never taxing the colonists. That's another lie. King never taxed the colonists. The nobility had the land grants, and they were freed from taxation because of those land grants, but they formed up the House of Burgesses and the governments that governed over the colony. Colony means slave in Latin. So the nobles were the ones that were taxing all the colony. And, the, and so the colony didn't care. When the, when the merchants went to war against the king, they were like, why don't we give a crap? Either the king's going to tax us or they're going to tax us. So who cares? There was a lot of farmers that had two flags on their property, one British and one U.S. That was so that whatever army was coming close, that's the flag you hoisted in the air. So you just 
Because you're sitting there, you're at, the, you're at the mercy of these people fighting a war. And you end up on, you know, you end up with the wrong one at your house that's saying, have you got any food around for us? Then you, they might just hang you, I don't know. And everything we've been taught is a lie. That was the biggest thing. If people don't realize that, they're going to be stuck in this thing forever. You can't, you can't get past looking at something where, well, they did this for me. I'm like, you're not their posterity. We do it for ourselves and our posterity. You're not my posterity. People don't, know. People don't even know what the word posterity means. Direct bloodline offspring. You ain't one of them. I'm not. Once I figured that out, it's like, what am I going to do? Demand from them? Hey, daddy, give me something that goes, I'm not your daddy. <laughs> You're just a slave born on the plantation. Sorry. The problem is, yeah, is that exactly. because, of the, because of the program, they don't tell, they're not going to tell you that. No. They, they operate on mind control. Government, a governmental like they're governing the mental part. They're not going to tell you that. So everybody wants to go around. If you want to get down in direct law, just go look at case law. Case, the, the judges have been running this planet and exercising the will of kings for thousands of years. That has not changed, and it will not change. A lot of people want to tell me that case law is not law. I'm like, okay, that's your opinion. But it doesn't work that way because when that judge said something, Joe, you're on here. When the judge says something, isn't that what the law enforcement does? Yep. Law enforcement's whole job is to follow out court orders and court rulings, a.k.a. Yeah. the judge's orders. Yeah. So when people are on a roadside cracking their window a quarter of an inch and they want to sit there and explain law to the cop, the patrolman, the police officer, you do that explanation in court, trying to explain it to a police officer. They got marching orders, man. And so case law, if you want to get technical about case law, here's how here's how bad it is in the U.S. If anybody thinks they got freedom under this, prosecutors are immune from prosecution for knowingly charging an innocent person for a crime that never occurred. And prosecutors are immune from prosecution because firing the judges determine outcome of judicial proceedings in advance. So my attitude is, Go through all the crap on the wall you want, but good luck with that. There's only ever been one answer to this, and that's getting out of the system. Well, yep. to kind of add into that a little bit, you know, that immunity also extends to law enforcement officers and any other agent of the state, whether that be on a city, county, or state level. So anybody that's acting on the state's behalf falls into that same general immunity. Yep, you're absolutely right, Joe. And, you know, and that's what I, I try to explain to people when they say, well, what's the solution? I tell them the solution is separation. That's what the solution is. But in order to find that separation, you need to go in the direction of what I tell everybody every week on the call. You have to learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at. Because you've been lied to about those things. Um this whole new world order or whatever in the direction things are moving in. Like David had explained that this was laid out long ago. Um, I put out a quote this last week by General uh, Wallace, Cornwall Wallace, and a letter that he wrote to um, General George Washington upon the surrender after the Revolutionary War. He said, fine. He said, now, he said, that there is a new religious war going on. And he said, in another 200 years, he said, 
the people of America will find that they are serving the king. And that's just the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. Joe, David, uh, Rocco, appreciate you all coming on this evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we'll probably have you all on again. Um, I guess everybody said goodbye. Yeah, and just... uh, I'll post this up to Tactical Sovereignty later tonight when it comes up. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. Uh, no, I was going to ask you. I sent out a um, um, Google, what is it called? Google Drive a link earlier this week. It was someone I was, uh, who's, you know, because I have a lot of people now, business podcasters, but they're asking me about, you know, getting in with the business crowd. This particular guy has four or 5,000 people on his LinkedIn. And I sent it to you. Did you, did you get that by chance? Yes, I did receive that. Thank you. Yeah. I think it just went up yesterday or the day before, you know, we're turning yep. it into yep. excerpts, but you know, it's, it's the, um, one of the things I'm contemplating for another blog that's going to come out, and, and it's going to be called Arrogance and Ignorance, the reason why the elite rule. And it specifically relates to the Dunning-Kruger effect. You know, I don't make these things up. I just study them. You know, I know what the Dunning-Kruger effect is. I know what it's like when I, you know, I used to not think that I'd done anything all this magnanimous or whatever. It's like, geez, 21, I did what I thought was necessary. 21 of us sued the IRS and the Supreme Court. And I look around, I'm like, I look at, I ask him, say, well, did you sue them at the Supreme Court yet? What are you talking about? Sue the IRS at the Supreme Court? <laughs> That's an uncommon act, man. But we were looking for, I was looking for my rights. I was looking for the door out. Like, just like I told an agent one time when they showed up, I was looking for the door out. I didn't want to be e pluribus unum with this nonsense anymore. I didn't want to be a part of it. I didn't want to be in collusion with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I've posted that as well. You know, people don't even realize what e pluribus unum on their freaking money means. It means out of many, one. That means you are a part of the whole. You are a part mm-hmm. of everything that's going on. And it's not just a matter of whatever corruption you think is going on in the courts, but it's a part of the child abuse or the drug abuse or the sales of drugs, whatever that's going on in your community. That you're not doing anything about. Guess what? You're a part of it. What do you like? Or not, that, that's the way it is. Yeah. It's, it's in book two, book two, section 81, Law of Nations, that the state is looked at as the sole person in the eyes of international law. All that means is that it's like looking at um, it's like looking at the Australian Constitution, where everyone is united into one indissoluble common, uh, federal federated commonwealth. Under the Queen. And the hierarchy's never changed. Nelson Book about the Royalist Revolution, he even said it in there that those merchants, those guys, they, they were not upset at Parliament. I mean, they were upset at they were upset at the King for not exercising his royal prerogative. So when you technically look at the United States of America and the way it was formed, everybody has this concept that it was kind of like monarchy like. He's like, no, it's monarchy plus. Yeah, monarchy plus. People yeah. should think about I know that. I mean, I know it's I know it's not what we were told, but I can't help it. I was lied to as well, you know. Well, that, and that's one of the things that drew me as well, Holly, uh, to looking at David's info, was that when I first started researching things, I was thinking, you know, well, what if 
you know, everything we've been told is bullshit. <laughs> Whenever I heard things a lie. And then I started looking at religion. And right now, the past few months, I've been doing a lot of deep research into uh, the different religions. And I don't like to call it religion, but different spiritual things, the different movements, and what those people were doing and, and talking about, and what the Bible says. And it's like, wait a second, there's something totally different going on here. So it's like, yeah, we've been deceived at every level. And that's what people need to realize. And to me, I mean, here's the thing. We are told that in public, we are not supposed to talk about race, religion, or sex, or politics. Well, guess why? Because those are the things they drill into our head so hard that we're supposed to believe certain things. So they don't want us discussing those things amongst each other because we might figure out some of the lies we've been told. That's the way I see it. And... I'll tell you what, a lot of the things that I've researched when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to governments, uh, if you want to call it politics, whatever, is that it has totally flipped things upside down from what I had originally thought, what I thought were steadfast beliefs in my heart, and it really made me rethink the whole paradigm and that, you know, the whole concept of the reality I'm in is much different than what I've been presented with. But anyway, we're over the top of the hour. Uh, like I said, uh, David, Joe, Rocco, thank you for coming Thanks, on. Guys. Good yep. to talk to you, and, Yeah, yeah, good talking. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. And I will post this as soon as it gets done rendering. And until next Sunday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, everybody have a blessed week. Love you all. Yep. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.